Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. A living stone, meaning we are still growing. With Assistant Pastor Chad Campbell. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Join us here each week for the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. We're trying to figure out who's my identity, what is my identity, who am I, what am I, where's my significance? But as a living stone, your significance isn't in you. As a living stone, the significance is found in Him. Now, let's join Assistant Pastor Chad Campbell for this week's Sunday Sermon. So I want to talk about the temple temple history a little bit. Yeah, we're going to go on one first. The temple history for a little bit. And why this is so important. Um, so back in Exodus, when the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt, God delivers them. You guys remember the story Pharaoh and going into Pharaoh and all the plagues and all that stuff, deliver my people. So God delivers the people and they leave to go to the promised land. Well, many of us don't know that when they left there, God didn't take them from point A to point B. He took them actually the wrong direction. Took them the other direction instead of towards the promised land. And took them down to where he wanted to give them some guidance and some direction. Down to Mount Horeb, where Moses was given the Ten Commandments. So at the same time, when he gave them the Ten Commandments, he then gave a blueprint of what he wanted them to build for him. Exodus 25, 8 says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. The temple part of this was to tell them who God was, the plan of their salvation, how to approach God, how to approach him. Because remember back then, the presence of God was not as as it is to us. It wasn't. So there are three temples built in the history. First one was Moses' tabernacle. And this was um, where they would break it out, and then they were able to bring it all back up together, move on, put it back out, break it apart, put it back together. They would keep doing that. Hebrews 8.5 uh, says, They serve a copy serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. They used the gold that um, Egypt had given to them when they were leaving saying, hey, here's this bunch of gold. Tell your God to stop bringing all these plagues to us. Tell your God to stop doing all this stuff to us. Let your God have mercy on us. And this was actually used for over 400 years. Over 400 years, they just kept breaking this thing up and tearing it down. Then, going to picture two, then Temple of Solomon becomes built. And the Temple of Solomon, much more grandiose, right? Much more grandiose, much more money involved in this. And it is the exact same plans, though, on the inside of this temple. The exact same. And and, uh, Solomon even prayed that uh, he knows, Solomon knows, God, your presence is not just in this temple. We know your earth is the footstool. 
But this is the way that the people were able to go before God. They were able to uh, get the uh, payments for their sin. They were able to come before God. However, the catch was they couldn't go in there. Only one person could go in there, and that's the chief priest. And they would go in through the door. Go on to picture three. They go on into the door, and inside of this door, this is the holy place. Okay, so you have the outside, which is the the courtyard, going to the holy place, which is this first room where there's a bunch of candlesticks, twelve loaves of bread. Um, and this is where they would come in. They would um, eat the bread. And then you have the veil at the top of those stairs, which then goes in to the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. The chief priest was only allowed to go into that Holy of Holies through that veil once a year. That's, and that was to atone, the Day of Atonement, to atone for the, sac- for the sins of all the people. So on the outside, there was a large burnt offering place. They would bring, they would bring the animal, they would sacrifice the animal. It might be on that picture too, um, where they would uh, put the animal on there, they would sacrifice that animal, then the chief priest would be able to go in, there on that right-hand side, would then be able to go into those front doors into the holy place. The water basins on the sides, um, on each side there, there was uh, 10 of them. Those were for the um, priests, the Aaronites, the priests, in order to be able to wash their hands before they went in there. So this is how this whole temple thing, um, this whole temple thing worked. So in the courtyard, that fire was constantly burning for the sacrifices. In Hebrews 9.22, I'm going to just be reading a bunch of scripture, so just hang on with me, okay, you guys? Hebrews 9.22, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Matthew 26, 28, the new covenant, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. All the lambs that died on that burnt sacrificial place was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. All a foreshadow to Christ. The water, Exodus 30, 18, you shall also make a basin of bronze. These are the areas right there in the front right there. A basin of bronze with its uh, stand of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tent of the altar and you shall put water in it with which Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet. The holy place, the first room. Uh, okay, go back to the other one. The holy place, that first room, like I was telling you, the 12 candlesticks. Um, I mean the candlesticks. Sharing your light, meaning not keeping it to ourself. The bread represented Jesus as the word and uh, the Bible as the bread of life the Bible as the bread. Altar of incense symbolized the prayer, our prayers. And then the most holy place, like we talked about. In that most holy place, between those cherubims up there, in that most holy place, that is where the holy of holy, I'm sorry, in that place, that is where the Ten Commandments was with the Ark of the Covenant was inside of that. That's why it's such a, such a big deal. That, is where the presence of God was. That's where somebody needed to get to the presence of God. It was in the Holy of Holies. Only one person could go in there. And that veil is what separated that from the rest of them. 
Does that make sense? Visual is good, right? For me it is. I don't know about you. I wanted to give you guys a visual of my side-by-side -side that I'm looking for, but I don't have it yet. So we got to hold on to that, okay? Still haven't found one that I can um, bring before you, but I'm looking for it. Don't hold off me. So the, temp the purpose of the temple, the purpose of the temple was to represent God's progression for Israel to come into the presence of God. It held the presence of God and it showed the progression of how Israel was supposed to get there. Remember, Israel's a chosen people. The rest of them weren't. It was Israel. And that's what... So what did God want them to learn from the sanctuary? Who he was, how to reach him, the plan of salvation. What was that actual salvation? What was the holiness, how to live that life? How do they live that life with God? That's what this temple was all about. Remember, there's three phases of salvation. We've talked about this a couple months ago. You have that justification. All right, I'm not getting back into all these big words again. Justification. Accept Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Boom. Justification is over. Sanctification. This walk that I live every day, every single day, going through all this kind of stuff, purifying me every single step that I take glorification, the third phase, when I die and I go to heaven. Many of us want to reach glorification before we die. It's never going to happen. You're going to continue to live in that sanctification every day, taking that step, wondering why I'm still going through what I'm going through. So it's just like Israel's three phases as well. Justification, when they left Egypt. Sanctification, walking through the wilderness. They didn't even start out in the right direction like I told you. God took him the opposite direction of where he was trying to take him to. Sanctification, every day, walking in the wilderness until glorification when they come into the promised land. Israel went through the exact same thing. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus was the fulfillment of all of this. The day Jesus died, you can go on to picture four. The day Jesus died, that veil was broken. That veil was torn. That veil no longer exists. Meaning, that temple now has no more meaning to us for the future. Huge historical meaning because it gives us an understanding. Absolutely nothing from now on. Nothing at all. Hebrews 10, 9 through 10 and 14. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. There's that word again. Sanctified. Going through it every day, step by step. Hebrews 8, 1 through 2. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy place, in the true tent, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. It's Hebrews 8, 1 through 2. So now we go directly to Christ. 
right? Now we all have that opportunity to go directly to Christ instead of having to go through the sacrificial areas, to the water basin, to the holy place, to the holy of holies. Now you individually have the opportunity to go to Christ for whatever it is. It was a foreshadow to take us to this place now that Christ represents. One way in. Can you go back there? I'm sorry. I know I'm moving you back and forth. One way in. That was it. See the front doors on the front. That in the back that looks like um, those shelves that you have like four floors right there, that was storage. There was a storage, and they had ladders in there to go from one floor to the next. But there was no other doorway, no doorway into that holy place or holy of holies except for that front door. That's it. John 10, 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly I say to you, I am the door. I am the door. There is only one door, and that is through Jesus Christ. That's it. He is the only door into that place. You guys ever wonder, like, these Jews, man, you keep reading, you keep reading Old Testament stuff, and they keep getting knocked down. Every time you turn around, they're getting beat up again. They're going through another revolt. Another country is taking them over, and they keep popping their head back up. Things just keep coming back. They just keep coming back. You know, it's, it's, um, it's actually pretty neat when you, when you really read and study a lot about this. John 2, 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Jesus is talking about his body, his body, which is the church is the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. God's temple on earth now, this fourth temple, God's temple on earth now, is in the body of Christ. Is in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is, is the church. You guys with me? Go here. Fourth temple. The church. So the church isn't the building. Right? It's not this. The church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is and the new spiritual temple. Spiritual temple. This was an aha thing for me, and I'm, I'm hoping that it becomes that for everybody. Let me show you here. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So, you got these first three temples. You had the, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you about the third one. You had the temple of Moses, Solomon's temple, and then um, King Herod comes in and then rebuilds this. That gets destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans during one of the revolts. And then that's it. Then, Christ dies. Christ dying on the cross then gives us the Holy Spirit, which resides in you, which is God's presence, which is God's Spirit in you. 
This is why it says, you are now the temple. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. It's in each of us. The holies of holies that you could not get to is in you. I, I don't even catch it, man. It's like, that is huge. All those years, Israel, think about it. All those years, Israel wandering and sacrificing and all that kind of stuff. Like, you think about how many times you sinned yesterday. How poor would you be trying to figure out what perfect lamb you're going to sacrifice I'd be sacrificing animals. I'll just bring me another one. Just, just line it up here. That's what I would be like. And I can't even shoot a rabbit, much less cut the neck, you know? I'll shoot an elk and deer, but the rabbits just, I just, I don't know. But I would just have them lined up. And think about it, all that, all that. And then somebody else had to go there and do it for you. And they'd be like, Chad, can you just stay home for a little while? Like, stop knocking on my door. I'm like, dude, you got to fix this for me, Right? Now, that holy of holies is in you. It's in you. You wonder, like, why? Why does God even do that? Why does God, even, why don't we still have this temple? Why don't we still have this kind of stuff that we need to follow? Why does God want to put the holies of holies in me for something? What is it? Jesus is described as a cornerstone, as a cornerstone. And Paul's explaining to the Ephesians that once they were orphans, because the chosen people of God was Israel, once they were orphans, but now through the blood and death and resurrection of Christ, they're no longer orphans. Ephesians 2.18, for through him we, have, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, being a cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Read that one more time. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows in a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Peter talks about it with Jesus. Acts 4.11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Found in nobody else. He is the only door. Must be through Jesus Christ. And I know, everybody here, you know the Bible. I'm not going there. Point, though, where... I'm jumping ahead, but there's a point where we're supposed to stop drinking milk. Amen? We're supposed to be weaned off of the, the mommy's breast or off of the formula or off of the bottle and start eating meat. There's a time we can't keep coming for milk all of the time. We can't keep expecting and wanting milk. There's a point where we have to go out and start hunting and getting the meat. Amen? Yes? Right? You know me? Psalm 118, 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in your eyes. Go ahead, picture, um, I think it's five. Is it five? Yeah, the cornerstone. So why is this cornerstone so important? Why is it? 
Anybody builders? Builders in here? Only building that I know about is what my father-in-law talks to me about. Okay? I, when I met my wife, I could tell her how to do her nails and cuticles, and she taught me how to change my oil. <laughs> I tell her, right? <laughs> Don't laugh at me. It's not that funny. <laughs> so you know I'm going to come to you to change the oil on my side-by-side, right? Okay. So the cornerstone, the very first laid stone, it was the best stone. It usually represented something very important about that culture, about the culture of that building or edifice. It's where the rest of the building gets its direction from, where the rest of the building gets its strength from. That's the cornerstone. That's why this word is so important when it keeps being used over and over when it's talking about Jesus as the cornerstone. Isaiah 28, 16, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone. Jesus' life. A tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste, and I will make justice the line and the, righteous, the, plum, the righteousness the plumb line and hail will sweep away the refuge of the lies and, wa- and waters will overwhelm the shelter. So I didn't know what a plumb line was. Go to picture six. I didn't know what a plumb line was. So the plumb line is going to measure the vertical. Boom. That's a, so these words are being used because in the Old Testament, they were speaking to the people on what they knew how to do. Right? So you talk about plumb lines, measuring line. I don't know what that is. Measurement line, measuring tape, okay? So horizontal, going across. Go back, please. Going back. Plumb line, vertical. Everything was based off of that cornerstone. Everything was attached to that cornerstone. It's immovable. And without it, without it, nothing else would exist. Nothing else would exist with it. And that's Christ. Our spiritual temple. Our spiritual temple. The fourth temple, the spiritual temple. Living stones. You can leave that there. First Peter 2 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are living stones. Living stones. He is the cornerstone. We are the rest of those living stones. Ephesians 2.19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, read this earlier, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple of the Lord. Go to pick three, picture three. Please, come here, brother, come here. Future in-law, come up here. You guys, come on up here, you guys. Yeah, come on up here, all of you, please. Come on up here. Please, yeah. Can you guys come up too? Please, yeah. Please? All right, here's what you do, okay? All right, so I want you to stand in the middle. Okay? And then reach your arms. Put your arms out. All right. Then I want one on each side. 
of him, holding on to his hands. One on each side. Come over here, brother. Grab one of his hands. No, not yet. Close. Just one. And then another one behind him. You come stand in front with his arms on your arm on his chest. Paul, come up here. Somebody, come up here. This way, right here. You stand behind him with your hand on his back. This way. Come over here. That's so, Boom. There we go. This way. On his backside. There we go. Stand with your arms out and grab on his arms. On his, yeah, on the pause. There we go. All right. On each one of them. You guys, like a cross. I'm trying to hide it here. Make a cross. See, y'all are visual people too, aren't you? Boom. We have our cornerstone. My future in law. <laughs> our cornerstone. The rest of us are living stones. A living stone meaning we are still growing until this third phase, which is glorification of going to God. So even though we are still attached to God, we are attached to Christ, our cornerstone, we still go through sanctification. We still go through these hard times. We still go through these hard walks. Attached to our cornerstone, giving us our strength, giving us our direction, giving us our guidance when we are attached to that cornerstone. You break one. It doesn't affect just this one. It has now affected the entire spiritual temple, the fourth temple of God, the body of Christ. If we can catch how important each of us are as a living stone to that fourth to that spiritual temple the holies of holies understand how important we are it's almost impossible to think how we can't do it how we just can't do it your arms getting tired yet i'm a visual like i want to leave you here i don't even want you guys to go anywhere right now okay okay we're good hold each other thank you guys thanks that's awesome I'll give you a shoulder injection after church. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. You guys ever thought about like the ambassador for China, the ambassador for this, the ambassador for this. What, What do we think when they mess up? I'm just asking. It just popped in my head. What do we think when they mess up? What do we think when they do something wrong? We're pretty judgmental, right? Why are you representing us? We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, through us. Romans 12, 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. All different. Every one of us are different. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose, in the place. God took the living stone and put it where he wanted, can you go back to the other one please? Put it where he wanted to put it in relation 
to the cornerstone. He might, you might be the third brick on the bottom. You might be that stone. He put us where he wants us. And we're to be diverse. We're to be different. If you looked up here, all different. Different personalities, different gifts, different ethnicities, different sins. We all are different. And we can't try to make somebody be what we think God wants them to be. Amen? So, that stone, if I'm that third bottom stone, because I do not think I'm anywhere near that cornerstone, if I am way out there on that third one, that stone next to me might be rubbing me the wrong way. That stone might be chafing me because it's got some jagged mortar on the side of it, and I don't like it. I don't like what is scratching me up. And it might not be very easy to deal with either because if it was smooth, I'd be like, just snuggle up to me, right? That's why my wife won't let me snuggle up to her. She says I'm not very smooth. I don't know. I'm like, but you're so soft. She's like, but you're not. I was like, okay. So that stone next to me, that stone next to me might just be really, really rough. So me, if that thing is jagged, it keeps jagging me, I'm probably going to be like, I need to leave. I can't. I am a living stone that God has placed in a very specific area for a very specific reason. If I leave, what happens to my spot? It's weak. There's a weakness now. This is not guilt. This is what the Bible says, living stones. We are those living stones. And through that person doing what they're doing, all messing with me with the grout and concrete, whatever. I told you I'm not a builder. What it's doing to my arm, something that God can do for good. Something that God is doing to refine in me, to change in me, to make me a more effective living stone for that spiritual temple and that holy of holies that resides in me as part of this. Does that make sense? You guys with me? All right. So we try to build our identity. We go through school. We go through uh, elementary, junior, senior high school. Then we're trying to figure out who's my identity. What is my identity? Who am I? What am I? Where's my significance? But as a living stone, your significance isn't in you. As a living stone, the significance is found in him. It's only in him. It's only in what he does through us is where we find our significance. If I stand up here and I start preaching, I'm like, yeah, that was really good. Like, that was good. I did good. That's me. That's not where you find that significance. That significance is whatever God is doing through whatever he is, has us doing up here. It's through the worshiper not the worshiper doing good. It's whatever God is doing through that worshiper. That's where the significance is. That's where the true living stones find their significance is in what is happening through them being obedient in what God has asked them. Just being the stone within the body of Christ. That's the significance. So why does this whole picture get painted? 
Why is the whole thing, why does God do all this kind of stuff? Can you go back to five? Oh, we're on there, okay. Because it's each of us living stones dwelling and living together. That's who we are. That's the fourth spiritual temple. That's what the veil being torn represented. Jesus, body of Christ, the dwelling place of the holies of holies. That's what we have. That's what each of us have in us together. That's huge. Because remember, there's no more milk involved in that. That is a call. That is, you have a call. You have something to do. You have, you have it. It's, it's, and, and this, I'm not trying to, to just, I'm just throwing it out there. It's no more, we just listen. There isn't. As living stones of that chief cornerstone, there's no just listening. You have a call to act. You have a call of something to be doing within that cornerstone that you are attached to, wherever that may be. The body of church is communal. Every brick and stone is important. We here, we don't ask people to get involved because we want uh, volunteers or because we want more programs or because it's about attendance numbers. Even though this is cool because this amount of people who stayed in town on a four-day weekend or three-day weekend, that's nice. But we don't care about that stuff. What's important is we are building this building, not this, this body of Christ to reach the lost for the community. And the more living stones attached to that cornerstone, the farther out we go. Amen? So it's about us working together as one, as one. Living organism, relying on each other, relying on each other. A duty to sacrifice for service and the glory of God. It's a call out. And so now, when this happens, now you have that holy of holies, that ability for that holy of holies, you are now considered priestly. No Bible college involved. You're now considered priestly because you have access to the holy of holies. And us together are a priesthood, together. Praying for one another, encouraging each other, calling each other out, call each other out. I'm not talking about accountability partners. If you want one, I have one. Most amazing dude. But calling each other out on are you living for God? Not getting each other's business. Are you living for God? What are you doing for God? Tell me your stories. Tell me what positive things happened in your life. Tell me what was so negative. Let me pray for you. Let me pray with you. Supporting each other, holding each other up. So there's some takeaways I want, to, I want to give. One is, God's good. Amen? Amen? We say it. Sometimes there's a song that they sing. It's kind of cheesy. It's a good song, though. It's cheesy. Good words. I think it's kind of cheesy. <laughs> God's good. Ah! <laughs> God is good. And sometimes I think that people forget how to dream. We go through life with all these things that happen to us and we forget how to dream. Because if we're not dreaming, 
We're dying. How can we expect God to be good if we can't even dream about what God is going to do around me? How can we expect God to be good if I can't dream about the people around me that I'm praying for? You have to dream, and you have to dream big. Dream big. Don't let that die. Jesus will restore those dreams. Can we do, um, people will say, uh, the video. People will say, yeah, oh, yep, the video owner. People will say, I've been dreaming. Don't play it yet. I've been dreaming. I've been dreaming of this big house. I've been dreaming to start my own church. I've been dreaming for this new business. I've been dreaming for this. I've been dreaming for that. It's not happening. The first question we want to ask, is your dreams attached to the cornerstone? Or are they your own dreams? Make sure there's sound. Sound. Turn it up. Again, this is the USS Montana requesting that you immediately divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. Over. Please divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid collision. This is Captain Hancock. You will divert your course. Over. Negative, Captain. I'm not moving anything. Change your course. Over. So, this is the USS Montana, the second largest vessel in the North Atlantic Fleet. You will change course 15 degrees north, or I will be forced to take measures to ensure the safety of this ship. Over. This is a lighthouse, mate. It's your call. Hello? Cornerstone. It's the cornerstone. Jesus. That's not where I want to go. It's not your call. Here's the lighthouse. This is the lighthouse. We can't divert the cornerstone. We are built off of the cornerstone by the measuring line, by the plumb line. That's what we're attached to. And there's been a calling and a gift in each one of us for a specific reason. Whatever reason that is. That's what we have to live off of. That's where we find our significance in what God is doing through that gift as you being a living stone within that spiritual temple, the fourth temple. Don't stop dreaming. Nothing is impossible to God. God, reveal yourself to me. Not so that I know more, so that I know you. So that I I know you. Every invitation is an encounter. Every one of them. It's an opportunity for us to know something more about God. So take risks. Dream big and take risks knowing nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. And when you learn how to hear his voice, you're going to keep taking more and more and more risks. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, I did this funeral and... Um, it's one of those unfortunate funerals. It was a suicide. And um, I knew, God, just, I just wouldn't get out of me about talking about suicide, bringing it up. And I just, I knew what was going to happen. I knew it was going to affect a single person. But I had to. I had to because God just kept putting it in me. And I questioned it even after I did it. And it was the other living stones that encouraged me afterwards how important it was that I did that.
for the rest of the other people, including that person. And so we, I, we take those risks because we, we start to learn how to hear what God wants us to do by dreaming big, knowing nothing is impossible, taking those risks, trusting God. We drive the truck. I heard this analogy. We drive the truck backing up to the warehouse to pick up whatever's been purchased to take it to the person who's already purchased it. Christ died on the cross and purchased every soul here. We drive a truck to help deliver them to the person that bought them. Amen? Dream big. Nothing impossible. Take risks. Trust God. And serve well. Serve well. I'm significant only because of his significance and what he does through me. If you really discover who you are, what is your role in that living stone? Whose arms were you holding? Whose arms rubbing you the wrong way that you want to avoid? How is that refining who you are? And how are you serving in what God has called you to do? As a living stone. We're blessed. You get a gift. You have a certain personality. You have a certain background. You have a certain ethnicity. You are blessed for that. However, none of it is for you. You have it because God loves the people around you. You have it because you are to give it. It's not to end with you. It is for the people that God loves around you. And what I have, I am to give to you because of the love that God has for you. But it's not to end with me. People say, the devil keeps attacking me. Devil keeps attacking me. The devil has never been equal opposition to God. People talk about how powerful the devil is. Absolutely no comparison to God, right? None. Zero. And we already have the victory. For this win, I'm fighting for this victory. The victory has already happened. You're, all, you're working in the victory. So you know that, that rest that God talks about, I want you to rest in the Lord. The rest is knowing that this victory is going to lead to this victory. In between here, while I'm going through this sanctification, while I'm going through this, the rest is to know I already have the victory. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting for God to refine me to be the person that God wants me to be. I'm fighting to understand this sanctification. I'm yelling out, Testudo, my armor, my, my buddies, where are they? Where's the other living stones? That's what I'm fighting for, not for the victory. You already have the victory. And that's why this spiritual temple, this fourth temple, is so important that you are a living stone of God a living stone being refined every day, attached to the cornerstone of Christ, holding the holies of holies to go to God for whatever it is that we need to go to God for, for my brothers, for my sisters, for me, for my kids, for my business, for my attitude, 
for my sin. We do this together. Amen? Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. We hope you enjoyed the message. May you have a great week, and may everything you do be blessed by God.